Hare Krishna, Panchakalpa Trubhyas Chakrapa Sindhu Bhyabhachapatitanam Bhavanibhyo Vaishnavivyanamo Namaha Welcome to another edition of <laughs> Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 11. We are beginning today uh, Chapter 30, which is titled The Disappearance of the Yadu Dynasty. I think what I'll do first is I'll just read the chapter summary in the beginning. And then um, I'm going to go back and just read the translations for the text of the first chapter of this canto, because this is where it picks up from there. Uh, uh, that's where the start of the narration, and then there's a whole hiatus for the whole canto, and then we, we come back to this again. So just to remind you of the of the first where we were, where, where the, the, the first chapter of this canto, uh, I'll read the translations only. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I have them out because for some reason in that first canto, in that for those first chapters, there are very, very long purports. Mm. <laughs> so if you try to even just read the translations in the book, <laughs> it takes you a long time turning pages. <laughs> I have them all here on my screen, just the translations. So we'll do that. So I'm going to read uh, chapter 30. Uh, just this is the summary. The disappearance from the Bhagavatam. Uh, they all do this thing where they give a one-line summary. This chapter discusses the destruction of the Yadu dynasty in connection with the winding up of the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, and then the uh, summary of the chapter, the action, after Sri Uddhava left for Badarik Ashram, because we heard the end of the Uddhava Gita now. And then Krishna is instructing him in the last chapter to go to Badarik Ashram. So that's where we pick up where we left off in the last chapter. After Sri Uddhava left for Badarik Ashram, Lord Sri Krishna, taking note of many bad omens, advised the Yadavas, the Yadu dynasty is also Yadavas, to abandon Dwarka and go to Prabhasa on the bank of the Saraswati to perform Swastjayana and other rituals for counteracting bad fortune. They followed his advice and went to Prabhasa. There they became absorbed in festivity and by the illusory power of Lord Krishna, they became intoxicated from drinking liquor. Thus losing their intelligence, they quarreled among themselves and then began killing one another until not a man was left alive. Uh, because this was just the men, the women and children stayed in Dwarka. And so the, just the grown-up men... Now, old people stayed in Dwarka too. But, so. so that's why it says not a man was left alive. Mm. Afterward, after this uh, auto de fe, or you know, whatever you want to Afterwards, Sri Baladev went to the shore of the ocean and by the mystic strength of yoga gave up his body. 
Seeing the disappearance of Baladev, Lord Sri Krishna sat down silently upon the ground. Then a hunter named Jara, mistaking the sole of the Lord's left foot for a deer, pierced it with an arrow. The hunter immediately understood his mistake, falling at the feet of Lord Sri Krishna, begging, begged to be punished. In reply, Lord Krishna told the hunter that what he had done was actually according to his own desire. The Lord then sent the hunter to Vaikuntha. When Daruka, Krishna's charioteer, arrived on the scene and saw Lord Krishna in that condition, he began to lament. Krishna told him that he should go to Dwarka inform the residents about the annihilation of the Yadu dynasty and advise them all to leave Dwarka for Indaprastha. Dharuka obediently carried out this order. So that's the subject, uh, that's the summary of the events in this chapter. It leaves you with many questions, <laughs> of course. So before this chapter, now I'm going to read to you uh, uh, just the translation of Canto 11, Chapter 1. Uh, I forgot it. Uh, let's see. The Curse Upon the Yadu Dynasty. That's the name of the chapter. Uh, so the it begins like this. Sri Shukadev Goswami said, so remember we're with Maharaj Prikshit hearing Shukadev Goswami narrate Srimad Bhagavatam. Sri Shukadev Goswami said, Lord Sri Krishna, accompanied by Balaram and surrounded by the Yadu dynasty, executed the killing of many demons. Then, further to remove the burden of the earth, the Lord arranged for the, for the great battle of Kurukshetra which suddenly erupted in violence between the Kurus and the Pandavas. So remember, in, uh, first when he was in Vrindavan, he k killed many demons. And then when he went to Dwarka, he continued killing some demons, Jarasandha and others, you know. So he did that. And then uh, the Kurukshetra, another, a lot of killing, huh? So anyway, it goes on. <coughs> I should just read this. Because the sons of Pandu were enraged by the numerous offenses of their enemies, such as duplicitous gambling, verbal insults, the seizure of Draupadi's hair, and many other cruel transgressions, the Supreme Lord engaged those Pandavas as the immediate cause to execute his will. On the pretext of the battle of Kurukshetra, Lord Krishna arranged for all the kings who were burdening the earth to assemble with their armies on opposite sides of the battlefield, and when the Lord killed them, through the agency of war, the earth was relieved of its burden. So there's another burden. The demons and then the... the uh, 
they are family members, <laughs> the gurus. So then it goes on. The Supreme Personality of Godhead used the Yadu dynasty, which was protected by his own arms, to eliminate kings who, with their armies, had been the burden of the earth. Then the unfathomable Lord thought to himself, Although some may say that the earth's burden is now gone, in my opinion it is not yet gone because there still remains the Yadava dynasty itself, whose strength is unbearable for the earth. Lord Krishna thought, No outside force could ever bring about the defeat of this family, the Yadu dynasty, whose members have always been fully surrendered to me <coughs> and are unrestricted in their opulence. But if I inspire a quarrel within the dynasty, that quarrel will act just like a fire created from the friction of bamboo in a grove, and then I shall achieve my real purpose and return to my eternal abode. So this idea when the wind blows on a bamboo grove the bamboos rub together and the friction starts a fire so there's no outside agent. So that's why this example is used. My dear King Pariksit, when the Supreme Almighty Lord, whose desire always comes to pass, had thus made up his mind, he withdrew his own family on the pretext of a curse spoken by an assembly of brahmanas. The Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna is the reservoir of all beauty. All beautiful things emanate from him, and his personal form is so attractive that it steals the eyes away from all other objects which then seem devoid of beauty in comparison to him. When Lord Krishna was on the earth, he attracted the eyes of all people. When Krishna spoke, his words attracted the minds of all who remembered him. By seeing the footsteps of Lord Krishna, people became attracted to him, and thus they wanted to offer their bodily activities to the Lord as his followers. In this way, Krishna very easily spread his glories, which are sung throughout the world by the most sublime and essential Vedic verses. Lord Krishna considered that simply by hearing and chanting those glories, conditioned souls born in the future <laughs> would cross beyond the darkness of ignorance. Being satisfied with this arrangement, he left for his desired destination. That's really two very interesting and potent, potent verses. King Parikshit inquired, how could the Brahmanas curse the Vishnus? Vishnu, excuse me. How could the Brahmanas curse the Vishnus, who were always respectful to the Brahmanas, charitable, and inclined to serve senior and exalted personalities, whose minds were always fully absorbed in thought of Lord Krishna? King Prikshit continued, inquiring, "What was the motive for this curse?" What did it consist of, O purest of the twice-born, and how could such a disagreement have risen among the Yadus who all shared the same goal of life? Please tell me all these things. Shukadeva Goswami said, 
the Lord who bore his body as the amalgamation of everything beautiful, dutifully executed the most auspicious activities while on the earth, although he was in fact without any endeavor already satisfied in all desires. Residing in his abode and enjoying life, the Lord, whose glorification is in itself magnanimous, now wanted to annihilate his dynasty, as there still remained some small part of his duty to be carried out. The sages, Vishvamrita, Sita, Kanva, Durvasa, Brigu, Angira, Kashapa, Vamanadev, Atri, and Vashishta, along with Narada and others, once performed fruitive rituals that award abundant pious results, bringing great happiness and taking away the sins of Kali Yuga for the whole world by merely being recounted. <coughs> then the sages duly executed these rituals in the home of the chief of the Yadus, Vasudev, the father of Lord Krishna. After Lord Krishna, who was staying in the Vasudev's houses, time personified, <laughs> respectfully sent the sages off at the conclusion of the ceremonies. They went to the holy place called Pindaraka. To that holy place the young boys of the Yadu dynasty had brought Samba, son of Jambavati, dressed in woman's garb. Playfully approaching the great sages gathered there, the boys grabbed hold of the sages' feet and impudently asked them, with feigned humility, O oh, learned Brahmanas, <laughs> this black-eyed pregnant woman, I love that black-eyed, this black-eyed pregnant woman has something to ask you. She's too embarrassed to inquire for herself. She's just about to give birth and is very desirous of having a son. Since all of you are great sages with infallible vision, please tell us whether her child will be a boy or a girl. I mean, that's quite a list of sages, huh? <laughs> to do this to. <laughs> Thus ridiculed by deceit, the sages became angry, O king, and told the boys, Fools, she will bear you an iron club that will destroy your entire dynasty. <laughs> Upon hearing the curse of the sages, the terrified boys quickly uncovered the belly of Samba, and indeed they observed that therein was an iron club. That's how he appeared to be pregnant. The young men of the Yadu dynasty said, Oh, what have we done? We're so unfortunate. What will our family members say to us? Speaking thus, and being very disturbed, they returned to their homes, taking the club with them. The Yadu boys, the luster of their faces completely faded, brought the club into the royal assembly, 
and in the presence of all the Yadavas, they told King Ugrasena what had happened. O King Parikshit, when the inhabitants of Dwarka heard of the infallible curse of the Brahmanas and saw the club, they were astonished and distraught with fear. After having the club ground to bits, King Ahuka, that's Ugrasena, another name, of the Yadus personally threw the pieces along with the remaining lump of iron into the water of the ocean. So this is how they thought to avoid it. So he had the whole thing ground down till it was nothing like metallic pat, pat, powder. And there was one little lump that survived this grinding. But they threw it all into the ocean. A certain fish <laughs> swallowed the iron lump. And the bits of iron carried back to the shore by the waves implanted themselves there and grew into tall, sharp canes. So these days still has a career, right? <laughs> the fish was caught in the ocean along with other fish in a fisherman's net. The iron lump in the fish's stomach was taken by the hunter Jura, who fixed it as an arrowhead at the end of his shaft. Knowing fully the significance of all these events, the Supreme Lord, though capable of reversing the Brahmana's curse, did not wish to do so. Rather, in his form of time, he gladly sanctioned the events. Remember, he shows that to Arjuna, I'm, I'm Kalarupa. He, first he shows the Vishwarupa in the Bhagavad Gita, and then there's a transformation and becomes the Kalarupa. Uh, time I am, the destroyer of worlds. So this is his form of time. So that's the first chapter, and now the penultimate chapter of the same canto, second from the end, penultimate. Uh, so just bear this in mind now, because we're really we're taking up uh, this when uh, the continuation of what happened with the arrowhead and all that stuff, you know. So now, Canto 11, Chapter 30, first text, The Disappearance of the Yadu Dynasty is the chapter title. So before I'll read the Sanskrit, before that I'll go, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, Sri Rajavacha, this is Maharaj Prikshit. Sri Rajavacha, Tato Mahabhagavat, Tato Mahabhagavata, Uttave, Nirgatevanam, Dwaravatyam Kimakarot, 
Bhagavan Bhutta Bhavanaha King uh, Parikshit said, After the great devotee, Uddhava, left for the forest, what did the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the protector of all living beings, do in the city of Dwarka? Uh, so you can see this is a simple one here uh, uh, th- th- that Uddhava, the great devotee, the Mahabhagavata, we know that term, uh, he ha- after he had gone to the forest, Vanam, uh, 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 then what in the city of Dwarka, uh, Dwaravatyam in Dwarka, what did Bhagavan do? And Bhuta Bhavanaha, interesting where he's going to be destroying everybody, still he's the Bhuta Bhavana, the protector of uh, all living beings. Uh, uh, there's a purport here. On, uh, BBT purport. Parikshit Maharaj now inquires from Sukadeva Goswami about the topic of chapter 1 of this canto, namely the annihilation of the Yadu dynasties. That's why I you know, read that. And Lord Krishna's return to the spiritual sky. Because Lord Krishna was playing the part of an ordinary member of the Yadu dynasty, he appeared to react to the curse of the brahmanas by giving up his earthly pastimes. Lord Krishna cannot actually be cursed by anybody. Narada Muni and the other sages who cursed the Yadu dynasty are eternal devotees of Lord Krishna and could hardly curse him. Therefore, in giving up his pastimes, and leaving the earth with the Yadu dynasty, Lord Krishna demonstrated his internal potency and personal will, since no one can challenge the supreme potency of the personality of Godhead. Uh, there's a short uh, purport by Vishnu uh, Chakravarti Thakur, who just points out, he says, in the 30th chapter, the Lord has the Devata portion of the Yadus go to Prabhasa, withdraws, withdraws, withdraws them from the world, and sends them to Swarga, while he, that's the Lord, in his expansion went to Vaikuntha. So that's kind of interesting. So the Devata portion. So many of the, you remember when Krishna appeared, many of the Devatas took birth in the Yadu dynasty. So many of those went back to Swarga. Because their devotees were with Krishna, then they'll go on further. But uh, And then uh, the Lord himself goes back with his, in his expansion uh, to 
uh, Vaikuntha. He just makes that remark. So then, uh, text 2. A uh, kind of interesting little thing happens there. Text 2. <coughs> it goes like this. Brahma sapo papashriste. Did I do that right? Brahma sapo pasam shristeya. Swakule yadavar shabaha. Preyasim sarvanetra nam tanum sa. Katam atyat after his own dynasty so this is the continuing the, the question after his own dynasty met destruction from the curse of the brahmanas how could the best of the yadus give up his body the dearmost object of all eyes that's the astonishing. So Brahma Sapa, Shapa, Shapa is a curse. Brahma Shapa, uh, by that curse, uh, having been destroyed, Upasam Shrishta, uh, Swakula, his own family, uh, uh, so then here Yadava Rishaba is, is, is the Lord. How could he give up? Uh, he gave up his own dynasty, but then uh, his tanu, his body, which is preyasim sarvanetranam, most dear object of all eyes. How could he do that? So here, uh, the BBT, they say... Uh, in relation to this verse, Srila Jiva Goswami explains that the personality of Godhead never gives up his spiritual body, which is eternal, full of bliss and knowledge. The word katam therefore indicates how it is possible, meaning it is not actually possible for Lord Krishna to give up his eternal form which is preyasim sarvanetranam, the most attractive object of pleasure for the eyes and all other senses. So that's what they say. How is it possible? Uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur has a long comment, comment on this one, fairly long, but longer than BBT. Uh, Uh, almost the same translation. Uh, so he's, he asked the question, when his dynasty was destroyed, destroyed, excuse me, how did the Lord give up his body, which was most dear for all, even for Shiva? It is heard that some sages maintain that the Lord actually gave up his body. Some uh, Purvapaksha say that. <laughs> the, the enemy to be defeated is the other side. Purvapaksha, the other wing. Uh, how is that possible? This is not possible at all. 
since it is impossible that the Lord could give up a body which is eternity, knowledge, and bliss. And then he says, how can a true brahmana give up his position of being a brahmana? It is not possible. It just can't be done. It's your essential nature and you don't change your essential nature. And then uh, he has this quotation. Sa visheshane vidini shedao visheshanam upasam kramataha Sati Visheshye Badhe. Statements of this is in Sanskrit in the translation. Statements of affirmation and denial change the meaning of their particular descriptive elements if there is a contradiction to the principal subject. And he's quoting from the Nyaya Vartika Tatparya by Vaschapati Mishra. Vaschapati Mishra is an Advaita um, sannyasi, ninth or 10th century, they're not quite sure, the generation after Shankaracharya, who wrote many, many books. Uh, and, but he's highly regarded everywhere. And so this is one of his nyaya, one of one of his books on one of his books about logic. So he states this uh, principle of logic. Uh, so the principal subject is is the Lord. So then, if there's a affirmation of desire which changes that essentially, you have to find some other way to deal with it. He explains this. So he's quoting this Vaschapati Mishra. Uh, 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 yeah, this uh, from Bihar, it's thought. But he wrote a lot of books, and there's still a lot around. There were commentary on Vedanta Sutra and all that stuff. But anyway, it's not, this book on Nyaya is highly regarded. And Nyaya was the same for everybody, you know. It goes, in this sentence, this, it states that the Lord gave up a body which was dear to him. That means he gave up his dynasty body manifest on earth. So you have to find some other meaning, right? If it's actually impossible, contradiction, anyway, essential nature. And Banu Swami has a footnote here. Uh to Srimad Bhagavatam 3, 4, 29, this means given, this meaning, the meaning given to a similar statement in 3, 4, 29, so we'll look at that one. Uh, another example is as follows, the same kind of a statement. A traveler gave up a gold pot full of water. This means that the traveler poured the water out of the pot mm because of fatigue due to the weight, and carry the empty gold pot. So it's just a manner of speaking, right? That's the idea uh, of, this, uh, of this idea. And I think I have this uh, somewhere, this quotation.
No, I don't. Um, there's a problem here. We have Prabhupada commenting on the same thing, which worth three, four, twenty-nine. Just let me get it up here. Yeah. So in the third canto, uh, which uh, has there also this topic takes place. We already discussed that in the third canto. There's some of it with Maitreya and Uddhava. So here it says, uh, Sukadev Goswami speaking, My dear king, the cursing of the Brahmanas was only a plea. That is, say, the cursing by the Brahmanas. But the actual fact was the supreme desire of the Lord. That's the main thing. He wanted to disappear from the face of the earth after dispatching his excessively numerous family members. That's part of the burden. They were a lot of them. I mean, if you count the population of the Yadu dynasty, it's bigger than the population of the earth right now. The question is, how could they all fit? So this get into some interesting geometry. He thought to himself as follows. So Prabhupada purport to this. In this verse, the word chakshan, chakshan, uh, 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 after giving up uh, is deha, he thought to himself. And in the word for word, Prabhupada says, the universal form. In this word, the word, the verse chakshan is very significant in relation to Lord Krishna's leaving his body. Since he is the eternal form of existence, knowledge, and bliss, his body and itself are identical. Therefore, how is it possible that he would leave his body and then disappear from the vision of the world? There is a great controversy amongst the non-devotees, or Mayavadis, about the mysterious disappearance of the Lord and the doubts of those men with the poor fund of knowledge have been elaborately cleared up by Srila Jiva Goswami in his Krishna Sandarbha. According to Brahma Samhita, so I assume this comes from, based on Jiva Goswami's commentary, According to Brahma Samhita, the Lord has many forms, anantarupam adjira. Uh, it is stated therein that the Lord has innumerable forms, and when he appears within the vision of the living entity, as Lord Krishna actually appeared, all such forms amalgamate with him. Besides all these infallible forms, he also has his universal form, as manifested before Arjuna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. Here in this verse, the word spitam, S-P-H long I-T-A-M, uh, is used. Uh, spitam is here excessively numerous, which indicates that he left his gigantic universal form called the Virat Rupa. 
So they take that as referring to that. Not his primeval eternal form, because there's hardly any possibility of his changing his form of Satchidananda. This simple understanding is at once realized by the devotee of the Lord, but those who are non-devotees, who perform hardly any devotional service to the Lord, either do not understand this simple fact or purposely raise a controversy to defeat the eternity of the transcendental body of the Lord. This is due to the defect, defect called the cheating propensity of the imperfect living entities. By practical experience, it is also, it is seen, up to the present day, that the Lord's transcendental form is worshipped by devotees in different temples, and all the devotees of the Lord factually realize that the form of the deity in the temple is none different from the form of the Lord. This inconceivable performance of the internal potency of the Lord is described in Bhagavad Gita 7.25. Naham prakasha sarvasya yoga maya samandrataha. Uh, the Lord reserves the right of not being exposed to everyone. In the Padma Purana, it is said, Atashri Krishna namadi na bhavet grayam indriyai. Uh, the, the name and that's also quoted, of course, in the uh, Majalila, uh, 17.136, where it's translated there. It's quoted there from the Padma Purana. Because, um, because Krishna's body has this descri description, it's Satchitananda, how come not everybody sees that? Because Atashri Krishna Nama, Dinabhavadvaya, cannot be grasped and that can't be perceived by by the material senses. Sevan Mukhe Jiva Do Swayamivasparatyadaba, when those senses, same senses, have become purified by devotional service, then they can perceive the Lord. There goes on to say, the name and form of the Lord cannot be perceived by the material senses, but when he appears within the vision of the mundane people, he assumes the form of the Virat Rupa. Because there are a lot of people who think uh, that that's the highest form of God. I mean, there's a tradition even in Western philosophy of thinking of God as the cosmos. Even Einstein said, yeah, I could believe in the God of Spinoza. You know? And God is the cosmic organism. And I wrote a doctoral dissertation on a guy who believes that. You know? Whitehead, Hartshorn, the process there. So, so there's a, it's, it's still a fashionable, you know, way to think. Uh, 
but uh, Prabhupada doesn't think very highly of the. He call, in fact, if Prabhupada calls the universal form in the pages of the Bhagavad Gita, his commentary, a godless display of opulences. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we go on this purport. This is an additional material exhibition of form and is supported by the logic of the subject and its adjectives. In grammar, when an adjective is taken away from a subject, the subject it modifies does not change. Similarly, when the Lord quits his Vishwarupa, his eternal form doesn't change, although there's no material difference between himself and any of his innumerable forms. In the, in the fifth canto, it will be seen how the Lord is worshipped on different planets in his different forms, even now, and how he is worshipped in different temples on the earth also. Srila Jiva Goswami and Srila Vithna Chakravarti Thakur have very elaborately explained this incident of the Lord's disappearance in their commentaries, quoting various authentic versions of the Vedic literature. We purposely do not include them all here to avoid an increase in the volume of this book. <laughs> the entire matter is explained in Bhagavad Gita as quoted above. The Lord reserves the right of not being exposed to everybody. He always keeps himself out of the vision of the non-devotees who are devoid of love and devotion and thus he puts them still further away from the Lord. The Lord appeared on the invitation of Brahma, who prayed before the Shirodakshai Vishnu, and therefore when the Lord appeared, all the forms of Vishnu amalgamated with him, and when the mission was fulfilled, all of them disintegrated from him in the usual course. So that's another commentary on this, this particular uh, incident back in the... Uh, in the third canto that Prabhupada uh, commented on upon this subject matter. Uh, and uh, we'll find out more about him. Uh, how is it possible? Uh, uh, we'll stop there. Uh, text three is a very long poetic verse. The whole different meter explaining uh, just how beautiful the Lord's form is. <laughs> it's all, just like you can't resist if you're going to mention that you're going <laughs> to... So that'll be 11.33 uh, where we'll, uh, we'll take up uh, this, uh, this discussion. So we'll see if there are any questions or comments. Uh, about this particular matter, the disappear. This is the disappearance of the Yadu dynasty, and then the final chapter is the disappearance of the Lord Himself. So this is preparing uh, for the uh, next episode in the history of the universe. <laughs> if anybody has a question, if you're on the phone, you can press star six, and I will unmute yourself can ask a question and if you're watching on live TV you can type in a question into the chat box to the right of the screen or you could go to Ravindra Sharpu's website at rsdasa.com and there's a chat box 
the lower right hand corner of that website. Any local questions? Yeah, I have a question. Um, I've been, I was listening this morning to a class, Bhagavatam class, and just rehearing about the Lord being impartial. And there were, there were both sides of Krishna being impartial. Like even when it seems that he's partial. So I'm just wondering how it relates to what you were just um, sharing about um, Krishna showing himself to the devotee and not revealing himself to the non-devotee. Yeah, he's, um, he's impartial because the non-devotees don't want to see him. Uh, he says this in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, and that's been somewhere. Uh, Walf Roto Emerson wrote a poem based on the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, when they me fly, that is when they fly away from me, when they me fly, I am the wings. In other words, when somebody wants to remember me, I give them all facility to remember. When they want to forget, I cause them to forget. So, where do, where do these ideas come from? There is no God, God is dead. Brilliant people writing long, you know, proving that how God couldn't possibly exist and all the other. Where do they get the brains to do that? Krishna gives them the brains. So that's impartiality. The devotees who love him, he then increases their ability to love those yeah, anyway, that's what that's what uh, what he does. So that's that's equal treatment. Bhakta Ed S. No, no, not Ed. Sorry, Kendra. <laughs> sorry. E.D. Ed or <laughs> I guess the D is the Das, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, we celebrate the disappearance anniversaries of Krishna's great devotees, yet we never observe ceremonies to commemorate his own disappearance pastimes. Would you care to say anything about this? Good point. I have no idea, Ed. What? <laughs> 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 uh, uh, in, in one sense, it's a it's a wonderful pastime, also. But uh, I I think um, that uh, we don't like the idea so much of separation from Krishna, or we worship Krishna through strong feelings of separation. But uh, but uh, yeah, there isn't uh, there isn't a disappearance day, so. <laughs> It's maybe just that's a little too heavy, you know. Mm. Or maybe we, we don't want to encourage the atheists that we worship that God is dead, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they can start saying that too. Just maybe, do we even know? Do we even know the like? Is it I bet they do. Like they I, be, I bet I could probably tell you the exact yeah. astrological time. Mm. Somebody, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised mm. if. If people know this ominous time, but uh, yeah, generally these things that are uh, 
would would be a very not uh, pleasing. We don't. We don't. Yeah. Ratnabhushana asks, he says, I've heard a peculiar philosophy going around among some new age and yoga people. They fancy that the human existence is a function of the absolute wanting to know itself. Yeah. I was curious whether there is a specific source to this notion. Yeah, uh, Hegel. Mm. Hegel, uh, philosophy of uh, is about... Uh, about the spirit coming to full self-consciousness through uh, the progress of time and nature. And that happens to be first then humans, and then finally G.W.F. Hegel himself. (laughs) (laughs) Smash. That's where it comes from. (laughs) His books are so hard to understand that even uh, German uh, philosophers or students of philosophy in Germany would read his books in English translations rather than try to read (laughs) the exact German. That's what I've heard. But there are Hegelians and Neo-Hegelians and so on. So, And he's definitely a New Age guy. Uh Although his contemporary Schopenhauer hated him. He wrote the clumsy and stupid Hegel, whose works will always remain a monument to German stupidity. (laughs) Rodness is excellent. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just just saying that was eloquent, his critique of Hegel. I mean, <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> that might be a showstopper. Going once, going twice. I think that would be it. Okay, so then we will uh, continue uh, this time next week, uh, starting with Canto 11, Chapter 30, Text Number 3. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai